Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. In this week's episode, we will talk about Michigan players in the Major League Baseball draft, look at the latest in recruiting, and tackle our next Michigan football position group, the defensive line. All that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. All right, guys, how you been? Well, I've been better, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know how I've been the past couple of days, Andrew. But you know, we'll say for the sake of the pod, we'll say we're doing all right. Uh, you know, you're here, so you're doing okay. I am here. Yes, I am doing better. Yes, we did postpone it a day as you were not not in the greatest of shape. Zooks, you're alive and kicking, so that's all that matters, right? I'm, I'm the what? You're alive and kicking. I, yes, I, I am. Well, I guess I don't know if you're kicking, but you're alive. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm alive. There you yes. go. All right, yeah. Like, what is what is how? Ha- you know, it's it's this is always a thing we do every week. I feel like even in normal times, it's like, all right, where did where did last episode leave off as far as the news cycle? What has happened since then? But man, it's even harder in these times to be like, what is what is new? What what day is it? And when did we leave off? But yeah, I mean, I do remember last week talking about expecting potentially, you know, this week or next to be hearing from the University of Michigan on their plans for the fall and like honestly for the whole year, because they said that President Schlissel did say at some point, I know, that, you know, to expect whatever decision was made for the fall to hold true for the winter semester too. So really the entire academic year, and we have not yet, and here it is Thursday afternoon, we're recording, uh, I guess, any insight as to why that is or whether we can expect next week or kind of what's going on with Michigan? It's been all from the, at least the athletic department standpoint, Michigan football, it's been all crickets. Um, I, like, like you said, I think there was an assumption that something was going to come out last week, um, you know, in, in talking to people uh, with the football program and kind of behind the scenes, it sounds like they anticipated something and there still hasn't been much of anything, at least released mm-hmm. publicly. I keep in mind the last g- bit of news we got was that the football team was discussing a potential return with the university, with the university officials. We didn't get much beyond that. So it's, we're still in a waiting pattern here. You know, we're starting to see more um, schools across the country, at least football programs announced their intended, we're planning to return Michigan state. In fact, uh, announced theirs last week. Uh, we're starting to see a little bit deviate deviations when it turns when it comes to the plans in terms of when they're bringing guys back and and how and what fashion and testing and, and whatnot. Um, not, none of that has been released yet by Michigan. Uh, we were hoping sometime this week, but again, like you mentioned, it's now Thursday afternoon and there's been no sign yet. So we it may be a while. We'll see. You know, there's we do 
Um, there has been reports out that the NCAA does anticipate announcing something potentially today in terms of a more formalized plan um, for when they'd like to see fall camp ramp up. It sounds like that six-week window that we've heard nationally and what from you know preferred window from coaches that in fact will probably happen. So we'll teams will be allowed to start camp six weeks prior to their their first football game of the season. And then if that's the case, and for most schools, it's going to mean the begin, the middle of July when things kind of start to get going. So it still gives us gives Michigan a full month. At, at, at last check, we I was told by several guess, incoming freshmen coming in that they, they were told to be on campus June 15th. Um, that seems to be a date that keeps coming up. In fact, I spoke to um, a kicking coach, in fact, last or two days ago on Tuesday, the story's up on MLive.com about Quinn Nordine, but he he he, fa- he told me the same thing, that Quinn told him that he was expected to be back June 15th. So uh, all signs point to players returning June 15th. We just haven't gotten official word yet from, from the school. Yeah. I mean, the NCAA can make their declarations. The Big Ten can make theirs, but it's going to be up to each individual school. And it, it's it's clear that Michigan isn't just, you know, seeing what other schools are doing and they're, they're not feeling any pressure to then put out their announcement or follow suit or copy another school or any. They're, they're taking their time as I guess they should. Um, but it, yeah, it has, it has been interesting. Aaron, I do want to ask you about, so in your, in your latest mailbag, someone asked you about, you know, what you were thinking for the season as far as what might happen. I think the, the, they suggested there might be, you know, games played but without fans in the stands and you know you you speculated that you know you thought Michigan would play 12 games but you thought maybe opponents might potentially change and you specifically mentioned Washington you know getting replaced potentially by a school uh, I mean I guess the thought was maybe one closer to Ann Arbor whether that be Notre Dame even or, or a Mac school I guess you know as I always say I say save it for the pod so it's the first time I'm asking you this here right here live on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast I guess why what made you think that what is what is the thought there it, it just based off of everything we've i've heard chatter reports we've seen at, at this point it, it seems it almost seems like this this opener against washington is 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 up in the air at this point i, I think you've got two schools that want to play the game um it's it's certainly contracted to be played however it again both schools are still wait see mode to see a you know, two months from now, where where the virus is, what what it does in terms of travel, because keep in mind, fo- folks are still hesitant to travel. You know, for for vacation. So where where that leaves football programs come, you know, mid August, late August, um, is remains to be seen. And and I think Michigan's going to have to make a decision rather quickly on, on what happens here. Between that, and I've heard chatter in among Mac circles that there's they're they're not ruling out the possibility of potential Big Ten. Um, Mac games. So it's, it's, again, it's all behind the scenes. It's all been thrown out there at this point. Um, you know, uh, Michigan state's athletic director, Bill Beekman has kind of surmised something similar. So it's, it's all speculation at this point, but given the nature of the travel, the distance Michigan have to go travel from Michigan to Washington to play that game. If, if they're going to replace one of those games, I think that would be it. But again, it, a lot needs to happen. There's still a lot. We're still in wait and see mode with a lot of this stuff. So if that's one, if that, if there were changes to the schedule, that would be, that would be one A for me. If I'm the athletic director, if I'm more manual. Man, doesn't a uh, Michigan Akron season opener sound pretty sexy? I would prefer like Michigan, <laughs> Eastern Michigan, Michigan, Western Michigan, you know, but yeah. Right. I guess and it's a, yeah. Uh, Akron would probably be the worst <laughs> possible. Yeah. I have never, I've never been. It's, yeah, so obviously for full disclosure, folks listening to this don't, maybe don't know, but I graduated from CMU as did you Ryan, but I've been to most Mac stadiums. Akron was one of the few that I did not get to. And in <laughs> fact, from what I've been told, it's one of the best stadiums in the Mac from a football perspective. Wow. It's actually really nice. 
Are not you that thinking the game, Michigan would play there? No, no, not that, <laughs> not that the game would be played there, but you know, uh, yeah. Games. I just like I saw. Yes, I mean, just kind of devil's advocate here. We don't often have like debate on this mm-hmm. podcast, I guess, but you know, I'm just thinking like, okay, Michigan's going to travel. You know, they're going to be isolated when they travel, right? They're going to fly in their own plane with just mm-hmm. the team to go there. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, what uh, you know, the distance of the where the game is played, like, does it even matter? Obviously for any game you have, you know, one team's got to travel. Um, now granted, if you mentioned like Eastern Michigan, they're coming down the road, um, and, and going out to, you know, the West coast is a little different, but you know, I just wonder like why, you know, they still couldn't play that game. If you're going to play any of the games, why couldn't you do, you know, you do that one, but I don't know. I the thought could be that maybe, you know, if you're not going to have fans in the stands, let's save these more marquee games, non-conference games for another time when you can, it's not worth it to make that trip for oh. you're not getting the bang for your buck. I, I don't know. I just, I, from a health standpoint, I guess I'm not sure that I fully see, you know, any more risk, you know, the whole team's going to be together anyway. You know, if they're, if they're not exposing anyone else or getting exposed to anybody else on their travels, then. Yeah. I consider, I think there's more in traveling, at least when you're flying and, and there's more touches, you know, you, you're traveling to the airport, you're getting on a plane, you're getting off a plane, you're, you're in a hotel mm-hmm. for two days. Um, whereas, you know, something like an Eastern coming down the road or even in Notre Dame, yeah. I mean, that could be made within, you know, a bus trip day off or the night before. So it's, right. it's more, I guess, more chance of isolating them, but I get it, you know, and I think most yeah. fans want to see the game. In fact, I want, I mean, I want to, I want to see the game. I want to drive. I've never been to Seattle. So selfishly, I, I want to go too. Sure. And I think a lot of fans, you know, they want to see the game. I think from a conference standpoint, it would be, it would be great, but I don't know. That seems to be the game that's up in the air at this point. And again, it's both schools are going to have to, if they were to change it, they'd have to get out of the contract, which is, I think, interesting. I, I think it could be done. But again, we'll we'll see here. Yeah, fi- financially, if, if there's no fans in the stands, it wouldn't make much sense for for Washington to pay all that money to have Michigan come play at their stadium, and they're not going to be able to kind of reap the benefits of bringing all that revenue that of uh, playing that marquee matchup would, would get. And for Michigan to travel all that way, um, if they have to rework the contract, it might not get uh, paid as much too. I mean, it's, yeah, there, I think the financial part is definitely could play a, a factor in, in that season, season opener as well. Fair enough. One more little football note before we get to, uh, MLB draft talk and then kind of return to football talking about the defensive line. Speaking of, you know, non-conference games, there's a report, you know, from, from the LSU athletic director that he's in talks or at least would like to, uh, play Michigan. Um, Aaron, you had a story about that. And I mean, I'll just say, I, I would, We'll see if you guys agree. I mean, hopefully if that does happen down the line, it's the type of, it's a home and home game. Like this Washington, you know, series was going to, going to be, I mean, that's, that's what people want to see as opposed to a one-off somewhere else. I mean, sure. If you live there or if it's in a stadium, you really wanted to see, you know, first time Michigan went to, you know, the new Cowboys stadium. I'm sure that was, that's kind of, that became a, a bucket list kind of uh, stadium just, you know, so new and so big and everything. But, um, man, the idea of these teams playing on each other's, you know, fields and these iconic programs and all that, it just makes so much more, more sense to everybody. Uh, Hopefully that's, that's what they're looking at. Uh, Yeah. hundred percent agree there. I, and I agree. I think the whole idea of of like a neutral site game is to bring your brand, bring your program into a certain part of the country that maybe you don't go usually. Mm -hmm. But Michigan and LSU, I think are two big enough teams and big enough brands where they don't, they don't need to do that. Like you said, they can do the home and home series they can have the whole, you know, the atmosphere in Ann Arbor, the atmosphere right. in Baton Rouge, and, and make the most make the, bo- the most of both worlds. Um, but yeah. yeah, it certainly sounds like something that at least LSU wants to do. 
Um, the story came out last week. It was reported. I saw it in the athletic. I think it sounded like Scott Woodward, the LSU athletic director, spoke to a, a group of reporters last week um, about several different topics. One of which was future scheduling. In, in some situation, in, in, in a he brought up the idea that he had spoken to athletic board manual about the idea of playing Michigan. He didn't specify whether it would be a one game thing or a two game series, um, but he said it was quote something that he wants wants to happen. Um, so it sounds like he's on board for it. I, it's unclear at this point if, if, if Ward Manuel wants to play it. Um, however, Ward is from the New Orleans area. He grew up in Louisiana, so it's, I, I would suspect it would be something he'd be interested in. Um, but again, the financials would have to work out. And then the scheduling has to work out, and that's more important for these situations where, like, you know, two programs might want to play one another, but if you can't find the right spot in your schedule three years down the road, it just can't happen. I mean, we've heard that before with Notre Dame. You know, so many folks wanted to, Michigan to play Notre Dame. Uh, Jim Harbaugh brought up several times and they just couldn't juggle it in their schedule. Um, in the case of Michigan and LSU, um, I went back and looked, Michigan's obviously not covered schedules full for 2021 and 2022, but LSU's is full for 2023. So like earliest is going to happen be 24. And then if it's a two game series, you've got to figure out another date. So it's, it gets complicated in that regards because you're starting to see more and more schools schedule all the way out through like 2030. Yeah. Not to mention that things might get, uh, you know, Michigan might not go to Washington this year. So instead that series gets pushed back a year or two or wherever. Um, and now you're filling, you've got spots taken that, you know, you, you thought might've been open. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of moving parts there for sure. Um, all right, Ryan, you've been pretty quiet so far, but now is your time to shine because we're Ooh. talking major league baseball draft. It's already underway. I know that because the Mets, you know, had a first round pick and got a stud center fielder um his mom is an actress she played the mom in little big league my favorite sports movie of all time uh so super excited about that draft pick um but there's going to be several michigan players expected to go uh later in this draft no first round picks um yesterday but uh i guess i guess don't tell us about them yeah, so I mean, there, there's likely to be two drafted today, um, could be as many as four selected in this draft, which is obviously shortened to five rounds instead of the usual usual 40. So I mean, that's going to play a, a big factor um, for a lot of prospects, high school and college levels. But uh, why was the draft shortened from 40 to five rounds? Well, a lot of reasons. Well, the high schoolers, well, my high schoolers didn't get a chance to, to play their season. So like the scouting reports on a lot of these guys aren't as expansive as, as they used to be or as thorough. And it's a money-saving cost for MLB, too. Like, uh, if you don't get drafted, players can sign for a maximum of $20,000 signing bonuses right now. When typically a six-round pick, you're, the signing bonus slot is between two hundred dollars and $300,000. So if you continue that down through round seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, I mean, these teams are saving a lot of money. Um, and a lot of these, money, or these signing bonuses are getting deferred to later years too to save for save teams money this year so gotcha. uh, yeah it's 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 a unprecedented move by mlb but it's not really surprising considering the pandemic we are dealing with right now absolutely um so yeah the first i guess who is who is is there a consensus kind of top wolverine out there or multiple players potentially it, it's it's looking like uh, jeff criswell junior right-hander um from port portage which is near kalamazoo is likely to go first uh, he could be the wolverines for highest draft pick in the last 10 years or so if he goes um in the, early in the second round mid or to early in the second round uh i mean he, if you remember he was great during the their college world series run last year 
finished the year 7-1 with a 2.72 ERA in 106 innings, a strikeout pitcher over averaging over a strikeout per inning. And uh, although his ERA rose a little bit this year in the shortened season, he did lower his walk rate, and that's one thing that had been a, a top concern for scouts. Um, so a solid fastball, 94 to 96, a pretty good slider. Um, don't remember him throwing many change-ups, but he'll likely have to develop one of those at the next level. Um, Michigan, yeah. sorry, Michigan had, you know, all their pitchers were great during that College World Series yes. run. He yeah. he was the guy, fans will remember, he was the one who started but also kind of became a super the, reliever. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. So he kind of did, did a little jack-of-all-trades um, last season. And this year yep. he, he became the ace um, and, and had a good start to the year. His ERA kind of ballooned after a rough final start, the mission's last game of the season. So he was only limited to 24 innings. Um, so that's why the ERA is a little bit high gave up like four or five runs in, in the five innings against Pepperdine. Um, but yeah, he's probably their top prospect. Um, and then uh, Jordan Wogu, an outfielder who actually walked on at Michigan coming out of Ann Arbor Pioneer High is in 2017. Um, didn't really play the first uh, 15 games of his freshman season. The team was struggling. Coach threw him in there, gave him a start. And he kind of ran away with the starting position ever since and became kind of well, one of the team's most consistent hitters um, throughout the past three years. I and mean, he's batted 334 in his career with 20 home runs, 23 doubles, and 30 stolen bases in 125 games. So pretty good numbers. Um, and although he's a below average fielder, um, but again, he, he's got the athleticism that, that teams love. Uh, big guy. If you remember, he was a, actually a, a football prospect coming out of high school as well, had multiple Division One offers decided to uh, earn an academic scholarship to Michigan, and it's worked out pretty well for him. But, yeah, like a great athleticism. He's got like a funky top-hand heavy swing that um, will probably have to be tinkered with at the professional level, but it's worked for him at college so far. So um, kind of hard to ignore the results. He was the uh, leadoff hitter in that. He was the leadoff hitter. I feel like yeah. I'm, just, I'm comparing everything to the World Series run, but I mean, let's be honest. Exactly. He's the one. A lot of people uh, really tuned into Michigan baseball. So exactly, yeah. he's the one that got injured in I think Game One uh, and Game yeah. Two of the College World Series run down to first base. So yep. um, they had to kind of find a replacement there for the last couple of games. And then you have a couple other guys that have appeared on some prospect rankings list, but it's kind of hard to say that they're likely to be drafted just because it's, it's hard to, because I mean, even you saw in the first round last night, there was teams overreaching and stuff is there's all this draft slot and signing people under bonus or under slot over slot. So it's, it's kind of hard to determine, but one of those guys is outfielder Jesse Franklin, who was the headliner of a strong 2017 class for the Wolverines and had a, a solid first two seasons at Michigan, um, but was injured in a skiing accident this off season and never got a chance to see the field. Um, which definitely doesn't help help your stock when teams are trying to find everything they can and evaluate you as, as much as possible during your junior year. So uh, still, he's a left-handed power bat, which are always teams always love to find in the draft. So I think he has a shot at get, getting drafted. And then Jack Blomgren, a, a shortstop, uh, started all 137 games in his Michigan career, a solid fielder, um, but doesn't boast much, much power potential in the bat. Uh, not really a, a big impact bat in the lineup, but uh, again, playing shortstops are always heavily coveted in, in the draft. So a team might take a chance on him um, as a as a rele- or as a <clears throat> infielder that they uh, backed up infielder at some point down the line. So 
Those an are Andrew Kahn type. And Andrew Kahn. Either you guys, either you guys ski, by the way. I don't. No, no I, I snowboarded a few times, so I've never gotten on skis. You definitely look like a skier, though, Andrew. I do not do any sports that don't involve a ball. No, I do not. Definitely really? don't ski, but no, no, no uh, water, no water skiing either. Man, you look like you would be one of those guys that getting uh, out there on the water skis or the, you know. Um, my in-laws all, all do it. They water. Yeah. yeah. They always try to get me on every, every summer. Uh, are you scared or, you know, just... yeah, at this point, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get into your thirties, you get into your thirties and you're like, right. I mean, what's the point? How many more years of fun do I have on this anyway? Right. I, I stopped wakeboarding at uh, probably a few years ago. Just as it's like, man, I don't want to injure myself in a stupid wakeboarding yeah. incident. Like, I just imagine both my legs like going in opposite directions <laughs> on the skis. And like, well, you can do it with just one. And I was like, that seems way too hard. So yeah, it's, it's uh, anyway. I grew up, uh, I grew up in an urban area. So that's the whole water thing is I, I, I wasn't really around water unless you're on vacation or something. We didn't, we didn't go. So our guy. Yeah, I know. But All right, yes, yeah, so Criswell, Wogu, uh, Franklin, uh, the shortstop and, whose name I just forgot, but, uh, Jack Blomgren. All right, there we go. Uh, so that's four. I mean, any and other dark so horses? Not really to get drafted, but one interesting element here is will be how many players sign pro deals if they don't get drafted. I mean, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, the max they can sign for is $20,000. So maybe some of these players opt to return to school for another year um, and, and try and improve their stock and get drafted next year when the signing bonus in the 10th, 12th, 15th, 20th round is a little bit higher. Um, so it's interesting because Backich said, or Eric, Coach Eric Backich said a few weeks ago, I mean, the team was planning on losing six seniors and seven juniors after the year, either through the draft or dra- graduation. So they, were, they had like 13 incoming recruits lined up. So if he said, now he says two or three of those seniors could return because of the, the rule the NCAA, count, the waiver the NCAA Division I Council applied for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you bring those couple seniors back and only three, four or five of these juniors end up signing, it could affect maybe how many high school players Michigan signs um, in the meantime. So mm-hmm. it's something to, uh, to think about and monitor moving forward. And, you know, you mentioned that $20,000 figure as, as a signing bonus. I mean, I'm not saying it's anything to sneeze at, but it's all relative. And, you know, we have an example, a high profile one of Shea Patterson, uh, yeah, he, yeah, he signed for thirty or twenty-five thousand dollars as a thirty-ninth round pick a few years ago. So has he played <laughs> baseball since like junior year of high school? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you if you're right on the bubble of being drafted and you don't end up going, uh, you I, I I'll feel for those players because they're they're definitely getting screwed. That's for sure. Yeah. Now you never know with a player like Patterson too, there could be a little more was thrown at him potentially to try to steer him away from football or whatever. Not that that was going to happen, I guess, but, right. um, but still, yeah, that's a, that's a good example of, of, of how it's been, uh, uh, you know, de- depressed, I guess the, the amounts. Um, yeah. in this unusual, unusual year. Uh, I think you'll see more guys return, return to college, not only Michigan, but other schools too. Like you got all that, to, you got all that to weigh. hundred percent. Even I think Jordan Wogu was quoted recently saying like, yeah, if I don't contract all this, go back to school. I'm like, it's crazy to think because last couple of years, he was just considered an MLB prospect at the latest, like the 10th round pick. But I mean, yeah, it would make sense for him to go back to school. Um, especially with, he's a smart guy, a 4.0 kid coming out of the high school to, to return to school. 
So I, we just have to wait and see. Uh, round two starts t- tonight at 5 p.m., so it'll be a little bit quick turnaround here. But yeah, uh, right. yeah, the the whole draft two day it will be done in two days. So all 160 right. picks. Any of these guys linked to the Tigers, or it's kind of too hard to do a mock? Like, uh, so like Criswell like was Sarah. actually drafted by the Tigers out of high school, a oh, 30, okay. 35th round pick um, out of high school. So, I mean, that, there maybe there's familiarity there, possibly. Uh, other than that, it's, it's kind of hard to tell. It depends on team need and, and what forth. But, yeah, there is some history there between the two. Yeah. And, and his, his, da- his dad was an MLB draft pick, too, Jeff Criswell. So. Gotcha. All right, well, we'll see. Like I said, my Mets already drafted a center fielder, so they're set there. You can always use arms. I don't know. they got a young shortstop already, but we'll we'll see. We'll see uh, how it all shakes out here. All right, so we'll jump back to football here. We said we'd talk about the defensive line. We'd already covered the running backs, receivers, tight ends, linebackers, host of other position groups for Michigan football in the past. Defensive line is today. And, uh, Aaron, uh, you know, you can kind of – set the table for us on the, on the names to know and strengths and weaknesses. But I mean, I'll just say, I think we know where Michigan is good here and we know maybe where there's some questions. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the talk, the talk going into this time last year about the defensive line was the lack of depth, ex- experience depth along, along with the group. I mean, a lot of guys coming in, a lot of uncertainty up the middle, and, and you kind of saw it in those those big games. I mean, they they had, they had trouble containing Jonathan Taylor against Wisconsin. Um, they struggled against Ohio State, with especially getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, together, I, I think that you're going to see a, a, an improvement with this group. I mean, you get both of your defensive ends back, Aiden Hutchinson and Cody Pay. Hutchinson's name now has come up several times now as potential first or second round pick in, in next year's draft. Cody Pay's name has come up among some of the top tier defensive ends in the country. You get both those guys back, which I think is a good thing. They've just got to figure things out in the interior. Now, the good news is they've got more experience there and they've got a host of guys that can plug in there. Um, you know, Chris, Chris Hinton was a guy that came on late last season. Uh, he's coming back. He's expected to be one of the starters there. And then you got a fifth year senior, Carlo Kemp. Um, Kemp is more experienced and I think talent, but he's, he's a good leader. He's played the position now several years, and I think he's a good plug-and-play guy. Now, now I think they need to find you know, a third and fourth guy they, they can slot in there, whether it's Mozzie Smith, Philip Paya, Jeff Spate's name has come up. Um, but they don't have that knockout Maurice Hurst-type guy just yet. Now, Chris Sitton, I think, could be that guy eventually, um, but they, they just have less, less uncertainty in the middle than, than outside. But I count 19 scholarship defensive linemen on this team this fall. It's a lot of guys. Now, several of those are, are true freshmen or redshirt freshmen, but Michigan needs a couple of those names that have been on the team now a couple of years to step in, whether that's Taylor Upshaw, um, Luigi Valane, who I wrote about last week, is healthy again, Julius Wellskov, Mike Morris. So they're, they're names that have been in the program a couple of years now that, that they need production from, and I think that's where you're, I'm most excited or most interested to see, especially early in the season, who steps in in camp and where they can get you know, backup or rotational production. For me, I think on the inside, the most intriguing player to watch early on is Mozzie Smith. I mean, last year he was asked, uh, the coaching staff was asked about him a lot, um, said a lot of good things about him, what he's doing in practice. Um, it, but it just never, we'll see if, if, if that can translate to a game. Like it was the same thing with Chris Hinton. It's like, all right, yeah, he's right on the verge. He's right. He's about to break through. And then he got some playing time and that he was okay, but he didn't make any 
he wasn't didn't make consistent plays where you can feel comfortable putting him out there every play um, and him him doing his job. But they were both freshmen, true freshmen last year. So uh, typically, you're going to see a lot of growth from uh, your freshman to your second year in college, especially when you're a highly touted prospect like those two were. So uh, those two and it guys, is Mozzie Smith. We got to confirm it is Mozzie. It's not Maisie. I hear some it's people still Maisie. say that. They want it to be Maisie for, you know, the Maisie and Blue, but it's, 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 not, <laughs> it's not what it is. Mozzie's an interesting guy because I, I can remember being at the Under Armour All-American game a couple of years ago and, and watching practice there in Orlando. And, and Mozzie was there, obviously. And he was one of the few guys that, that stood out to me right away. I mean, obviously, I was trying to pay attention to the because Michigan had several guys down there at that point. But among the, the all the teams in practice, Mozzie was he was a mauler. I mean, he was out there. He was getting the quarterback. He was making big tackles. Size-wise, he was there. Um, I, I think he needed to put on a little bit more, more, more muscle and then obviously learn the college game. But he is so intriguing. I mean, obviously, he's a Michigan guy. He's a, he's a Grand Rapids kid. Um, he's in state. He was highly touted coming to high school, but I, I think him, you know, having that freshman year to kind of learn how Michigan does things, learning the 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 way of playing Division One football, I think that benefited him. And he's a name that he's come up with. I mean, like like you said, Zook, he came up a lot last year. He was asked about a lot. Um, he's the guy I think Michigan is going to count on. They're they're counting on him to to make that leap and and be a productive redshirt freshman. Hitton, I think, is the at this point the superior talent. I mean, the guy can rush mm-hmm. the quarterback. He's he's big. He's strong. I think he's he's ready for that. Um, and, and you saw the Michigan coaching staff, I think, grow in their um, trust in him as the season went on last year. I mean, he started against Alabama. They used mm-hmm. him more at, toward the end of the year because they they felt like they can trust him, and, and that's the key with the the freshman. I mean, they may play the part, they may look the part. But it's about being able to trust them in, in, in big game situations. So Hitton, I think, is a step ahead of Mozzie, but that doesn't mean Mozzie doesn't isn't capable of making a big leap. And if they both can this year, I think Michigan will be just 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 fine along the defensive line. The issue, and I cautioned this last year, I think, and it, it's 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 similar situation with Michigan's offensive line and their linebacker position. But if they get injured, if a couple of those guys go down with a significant injury, that could really affect Michigan's defensive line because yes, there are guys behind there. But they're waiting on development from a lot of these these players, so it's it's going to force some of those guys into to, to prove themselves, to show themselves. So we'll see. I mean, on the face, it looks Michigan's defensive line I think will be fine, but any hint of injury or long term issues, and, and Michigan could certainly suffer. Yeah, like you said, yeah, Hinton started to play more towards the end of the season, but they also didn't have many options toward the end of the year too, because guys didn't develop like they had hoped, and there wasn't many good options for them to to play. But I think this year. There, there's going to be more proven guys that get the playing time than just throwing out a true freshman in there and saying, oh, go out there and do your best, and hopefully you can develop on the job. I think this year they're, you're going to have to earn it more before you're going to see playing time. So, But I, I do agree Definitely. that I think it's Hinton's job to lose inside for sure. Yeah, I mean, when I set this up initially, what I was kind of getting at, where I thought they were good, was at the end. I mean, you got Hutchinson and Pay self-proclaimed salt and pepper um, coming back like that's you know you know what you're getting there and I'm not saying that they're uh, they can't even be better than they were but those are two proven you know above average Big Ten players I think that's fair to say but on the inside there there are just there are just questions there's options there but um, yeah there there are questions and they had they had some games where they were again how do you judge specifically the defensive line but I don't know they they certainly completely shut down the run game against uh, Iowa and, and Notre Dame, Notre Dame you know, yeah. got to the quarterback at times too. Like they were just, they were just a dominant, you know, defensively as a whole in those games, but yeah, got completely gashed against, 
Wisconsin and Ohio State. So there were some some ups and downs, and it's definitely a um, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a position group that uh, yeah, it's got some got some questions, but some options. And with those options, I I do think you'll see Michigan play more of a four man front this year. You saw it less of it last year. They went more three no three four three three five. And part of that was to get Mike Dannon more involved and, and get more of their pass rushing, Josh Uche more involved, trying to mm-hmm. get one of those pass rushers on the on the quarterback. They don't have as many of those guys this season. I mean, you can make you can make the argument that Cody Pay is you know is a, is an above average edge rusher. Aiden Hutchinson has his moments, but there isn't. I don't think there is that that Josh Uche type guy on this team this this year. Now maybe, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen down the road but they don't have those edge rushers that are teed up on third down ready to go after the quarterback. So I think it's going to force Michigan to play a little bit of a different defensive front, uh, more maybe of what they've done a couple of years prior, what they they play more of a traditional 4-3 front. We'll see. But again, depth, the lack of depth at linebacker, too, is a concern. I mean, they get we've talked about in the past, they've got talent there as well with Cam McGrone and Josh Rosh coming back. But they're they're incredibly thin there too. An injury could could force could create issues there. So that's going to I think put a lot of you know emphasis on the defensive backs, a lot of pressure on them. But we'll see. I mean, Michigan, like I said, Michigan's defensive line I think it's good. It has potential to be very good. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how they they pan out, especially early on that you know potential opener against Washington. I think will will tell a lot. I think it comes full circle there, mentioning the Washington opener. That's kind of how we started things on, on this episode. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Watch the MLB draft and follow the, the coverage on MLive.com. And, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. 